Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Well, on our way here in um, the teachings of going from good to great, what it really takes in order to bring greatness into our life. And I want to talk a little bit about replacing an image, a subconscious image of ourselves, in order that we can see the full and complete greatness within us that then becomes the cause, based on the law of cause and effect, for the outward expression of greatness in our life. Now, when I say greatness, I I really want to stress here that I am not talking about perfection. Um, We're never perfect. What we're doing is we are expressing the greatness that is already within us in an outward direction that allows us to experience that in our life, whichever way it is that you want to experience that. And I have been working on and off with teachings from Thomas Troward, and this teaching uh, is also coming from Troward. Now, why am I, I just want to make a mention as to why it is that I'm referring back to some of these different authors. Uh, number one, they're, they are fantastic authors to study as far as uh, really uh, helping us come to a, com- a different understanding of who we are. Um, I could sit and talk for days myself uh, on these various different topics, uh, but one of the things that I really wanted to do was to bring in a lot of the teachings that I had studied over the years uh, to help me bring out my own greatness in myself, and the the different things that that I do. What we're doing, though, first and foremost, is we're taking in an intellectual uh, understanding of different topics in order that we can help eradicate um, past programming, uh, create new programming, and live the life that we really want to live. The key, though, is to, is to really pay attention to the fact that taking in an, in, in an intellectual way does not, therefore, change the programming. Um, as you take in a new idea, it allows you to build a new concept in your mind, a new concept of who you are, a new concept of what it is that you can do, and a new concept of the kind of results that you can get in your life. You then have to take that concept and you have to actually apply it in your life. If the programming is going to change, an application has to occur so that it can be integrated into not just your belief system, but in the doing of what you do on a daily basis. In other words, who you're being. This is why we're working so much with this heavy intellectual piece of this so that it helps change the the concept of how you think on a regular basis. The more you continue to work with the idea of how you're thinking, what you're really doing is you're you're filling the intellectual side of your mind with a storehouse of knowledge that lets you comparatively look at the programming 
that you've had since you were born. And to make it, then become aware and make a conscious choice as to which path you're going to follow. Through the repetition of making that choice and following that path, the program is then eventually changed. So today we're going to talk about uh, Thomas Troward's um, essay on completeness. And I'm going to go through it, and then I'm going to make some uh, personal points of my own as I, as I begin to read this. So he says, A point on which the students of mental science often fail to lay sufficient stress is the completeness of man. Not a completeness to be attained hereafter, but one that's actually here and now. And I think the, the, the important point here that Thomas Troward is making is that so much of our indoctrination about life is to try to live this good and virtuous life now so that we can get a reward at some sometime in the future. You know, after we die, we go to heaven, Valhalla, whatever it might be, um, to a person's individual upbringing. What he's stressing is that to understand that we're complete here and now. In other words, we're healthy, wealthy, and prosperous now. He says, We have been so accustomed to have the imperfection of a man drummed into us in books, sermons, hymns, and above all in a mistaken interpretation of the Bible that at first the idea of his, of his completeness altogether staggers us. Yet, until we see this, we must, we must remain shut out from the highest and the best that mental science has to offer, from a thorough understanding of its philosophy and from its greatest practical achievements. So, what he's saying is until we start to build a better concept of ourselves being complete, then the actual power of everything that you're studying, uh, you really can't grasp it. Um, we have, I mean, we are just absolutely incredible in the potential that we carry around inside of us. And someone once said that it takes four or five generations to, be, to remove dysfunctions out of a family. I would say that there is some accuracy to that on, unless a person decides that they are going to intently focus on removing it within their generation. And then I think that it can, be, it can be done sufficiently enough that you can really become the completeness that Troward's talking about. He says, to do any work successfully, you must believe yourself to be a whole person in respect of it. The completed work is to the outward image of a corresponding completeness in yourself. Now, think about that. When he says completeness, that means that there's nothing lacking, right? Because it's complete. There's nothing lacking within yourself. And if this is true in respect of one work, it is true of all. The difference in the importance of the work does not matter. We cannot successfully attempt any work until for some reason or another we believe ourselves able to accomplish it. In other words, until we believe that none of the conditions for its completion is wanting in us and that we are therefore complete in respect of it. Our recognition of our completeness is thus the measure of what we're able to do 
and hence the great importance of knowing the fact of our own completeness. But it may be uh, asked, do we not see imperfection all around? Now we know that we do. We see it everywhere that we look. But you have to remember, um, what it is that we are recognizing without is an indication of the program that lies within. Is there, not, is there not sorrow, sickness, and trouble? Yes, but why? Just for the very reason that we do not realize our own completeness. If we realize that in its fullness, these things would not be. And in the degree in which we come to realize it, we shall find them steadily diminish. Now, if we really grasp the two fundamental truths that spirit is life, pure and simple, and that external things are the result of interior forces, then it ought not to be so difficult to see why we should be complete. For to suppose otherwise is to suppose the reactive power of the universe to be either unable or unwilling to produce the complete expression of its own intention in the creation of man. Now, you've heard me say over and over again, one of the things that I always look for when I'm seeking truth is to just look in nature. Ask yourself, do you see this in nature? And one of the cool things about looking at nature is that we see the completeness of nature. We don't see anything that is imperfect in nature. We see the full, complete expression of God or the universe or spirit or energy in nature itself. He goes on to say that it should be unable to do so would be to de depose it from its place as a creative principle and that it should be unwilling to fulfill its own intention is a contradiction in terms so that on either supposition we come to, to reducing it to its basic form. In, in forming man, the creative principle, therefore, must have produced a perfect work. In our conception of ourselves as imperfect can only be the result of our own ignorance of what we really are. And our advance, therefore, does not consist in having something new added to us, but in learning to bring into action powers which already exist in us, but which we have never tried to use and therefore have not developed, simply because we have always taken it for granted that we are by nature defective in some of the most important faculties necessary to fit us to our environment. Now, if you think about this, we get that message over and over again as from the time that we're born, that there is something not completely right with us. There is not something completely right with the world, that we always have to be watching out for something. We may or may not pass the test. We may or may not be promoted to the next grade. We may or may not get the job. We may or may not get the spouse. We may or may not uh, you know, be successful in our life. Um, and that is an indication that we really do not understand the power that lies within. He says, if we wish to attain these great powers, the question is, 
Where are we to seek them? And the answer is in ourselves. That is the great secret. We are not to go outside of ourselves to look for power. As soon as we do so, we find not power, but weakness. Now let me read that again. We are not to go outside ourselves to look for power. As soon as we do so, we find not power, but weakness. To seek strength from any outside source is to make affirmation of our weakness and all know what is the natural result of such an an affirmation must be. We are complete in ourselves, and the reason why we fail to realize this is that we do not understand how far the self of our self actually extends. We know that the whole of anything consists of all its parts, and not only of some of them, yet this is just what we do not seem to know about ourselves. We say rightly that every person is a consecration of the universal spirit into individual consciousness. But if so, then each individual consciousness must find the universal spirit to be infinite expression of itself. It is this part of the self that we so often leave out in our estimate of what we are, and consequently, We look upon ourselves as crawling pygmies when we might think of ourselves as archangels. We try to work with the mere shadows of ourselves instead of the glorious substance and then wonder at our failures. If we only understood that our better half is the whole infinite of spirit, that which creates and sustains the universe, then we should know how how complete our completeness is. So what is the primary source of the problem here? He's, um, basically what he's saying is, is that it's ignorance. Ignorance in the sense of not knowing. <clears throat> but it begs the question, in my mind at least, why is it that we don't know? Well, the obvious answer is that we weren't taught that. <clears throat> but if we weren't taught that, then what were we taught? We were taught that we had some kind of allegiance to the primary patterns that our parents passed down to us in order to get love and affection from them. And if that is the the information, the knowledge, the pattern, the programming that was passed down to us, then obviously they did not understand completeness either. So So then it couldn't be passed down to you. So that ignorance means that we continue to follow that program of trying to get something, trying to get a power, which would be love and acceptance, from someone else versus understanding how to to love and accept ourselves first. He says, as we approach this conception, our completeness becomes a reality to us. We find that we need not go outside ourselves for anything. We have only to draw on that part of ourselves which is infinite to carry out any intention that we may form in our individual consciousness. Therefore, for there is no barrier between the two parts. Otherwise, they would not be whole. Each belongs perfectly to the other, and the two are one. There is no antagonism between them. 
for the infinite life can have no interest against its individualization of itself. If there is any feeling of tension, it proceeds from our not fully realizing this conception of our own wholeness. We are placing a barrier somewhere when in truth there is none, and the tension will continue until we find out where and how we are setting up this barrier and begin to remove it. This feeling of tension is the feeling that we are not using our whole being. We are trying to make half do the work of the whole, but we cannot rid ourselves of our wholeness. That means that there is, there is this wholeness that is within us that is perfect and wonderful and complete and powerful. And we only know half of that wholeness in our life. That half that we recognize is a half that believes that we have to seek the other half somewhere else in something else or someone else. He says, and therefore, the whole protests against our attempts to set one half against the other. But when we realize that our that our concentration out of the infinite also implies our expansion into it, we shall see our whole self includes both the concentration and the expansion. So it's the thinking, it is the conception, it is the formulation of what it is that we want, and the when he talks about expansion, the ability to create that without. In other words, another to be it, to think it, to feel it, and to do it. And seeing this first intellectually, we shall gradually learn to use our knowledge practically and bring our whole person to bear upon whatever we take in hand. We shall find that there is a constant action and reaction between the infinite and the individual like the circulation of blood from the heart to the extremities and back again, a constant pulsation of vital energy, quite natural and free from all strain and exertion. This is the great secret of the livingness of life and is called by many names and set forth under many symbols in various religions and philosophies, each of which has its value in proportion as it brings us nearer the realization of this perfect wholeness. But the thing itself is life, and therefore can only be suggested but not described by any words or symbols. It is a matter of personal experience which no one can convey to another. All we can do is point out the direction in which this experience is sought and tell others the intellectual arguments which have helped us to find it. But the experience itself is the operation of definite vital functions of the inner being, and no one but ourselves can do our living for us. So he's saying a lot of different things here, but one of the things that he's definitely pointing out is that nobody knows what's best for us but us. Everything is always leading back to spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always conscious of it. 
It just means that everything is trying to lead us back to spirit. So when we find ourselves um, in a situation that is, that is bearing upon us or bringing difficulty to our life, it is, it is not attempting to punish us or make things difficult. It is trying to point us to the way of spirit. That would be to the way of completeness. Now, what is that way? That way is the easy way, right? So that means that spirit is easy, completeness is easy. Getting there seems to be difficult only because we don't want to let go of the other half that is constantly seeking the wholeness and the completeness somewhere outside of ourselves. But so far as it is possible to, to express these things in words, what must be the result of realizing the self is in us includes the infinite as well as the individual. All the resources of the infinite must be at our disposable, disposal, and we may draw on them as we will. And there is no limit save that imposed by the law of kindness, a self-imposed limitation, which because of being self-imposed is not bondage, but only another expression of liberty. Thus we are free of all limitations and they are removed. We are also no longer ignorant, for since the self in us includes the infinite, we can draw hence all needed knowledge and though we may not always be able to formulate this knowledge in the mentality, we shall feel its guidance, and eventually the mentality will learn to put this also into form of words. And thus by combining thought and experience, theory and practice, we shall by degrees come more and more into the knowledge of the law of our being and find that there is no place in it for fear, because it is the law of perfect liberty. And knowing what our whole self really is, we shall walk erect as free men and women, radiating light and life all around, so that our very presence will carry a vivifying influence with it, because we realize ourselves to be an affirmative whole, and not a mere negative disintegration of parts. We know that our whole self includes the greater man, which is back of and causes the phenomenal man. And this greater man is the true human principle in us. It is therefore universal in its sympathies. But at the same time, not less individual of ourself, and thus the true man in us, being at once both universal and individual, can be trusted as a sure guide. It is that thinker which is behind the conscious mentality and which, if we will accept it as our center and realize it is not a separate entity but ourself, will be found equally to every occasion and will lead us out of condition of servitude into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Now, to, to, to wrap this lesson up, what he's really saying is that the more that we focus inward instead of outward, the more we focus on the completion, and even more importantly, 
the acceptance of that, that we really have to get to the point of accepting that idea within us in order to express it without. Until that happens, we will not stop looking for that completeness without. You see, we're always looking for the job, or we're looking for the career, or we're looking for the money, or we're looking for the external things to, um, you know, really say, you know, that we're a complete person. And if you want to break it all the way back down into our childhood, what it really is is saying, you know, have we're saying to our mom and dad, have I done good enough? Will you now accept me? Will you now love me? And you have to realize that that is kind of an empty hole or an empty vessel, so to speak, that lies within the person that does not see the completeness within them. So they're constantly looking without. As we can build a new concept of what that looks like, that we're complete and everything that we need comes from spirit, all the knowledge, all the how-to of anything that we need to do, everything comes from the same source and comes through a person, when we begin to do that, we literally begin to do great things. If you, if you think back to some of the works, uh, some of the writings in Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill touched on something that was pretty interesting. He said, you know, r- really successful people are often seen to be uh, cold-hearted, right? And um, if you think about all the different uh, ideas that are placed erroneously on very successful people as far as what their personality is, whether they're, they have big egos or they're arrogant or they're cold-hearted or, or whatever it is. What you're really looking at is a lot of projection, number one. Number two, in the truth of most of these individuals, what we're really seeing is an incredible ability for the person to focus. And they're very aware of uh, a completeness, whether they would call it that or not. And what they're really tapping into is the greater purpose of why they're here. So yes, they do shut out a lot of the drama in their life. And because they have um, a desire really not to get involved in a lot of the drama that's going on around them, they can definitely be seen as aloof or you know, like Napoleon Hill said, cold-hearted or, you know, arrogant or not wanting to be involved in the, the dramas that most everyday people seem to get involved in, which is actually searching for this completeness. They have found it to some extent. They understand their purpose to a, a greater degree than the average person. And they're consistently going after it in their life and producing that outward result that Troward calls the glorious liberty of the sons of God. In other words, freedom. That's what we're really after, the freedom to be who we really are, to be whole and complete, and to go out in the world and to live our purpose. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.